In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest, Jill Renslow, joining us from the Mall of America. Jill, welcome. Good morning, hello. Good morning, good morning. Um, so I think everyone uh, knows about the Mall of America, but if you don't mind giving us a quick uh, you know, quick brief for those listeners that have never experienced it and, and what your role there is. Absolutely. Well, hopefully most people have experienced Mall of America. We've been around for 28 years. We're located in Bloomington, Minnesota, and we are 5.6 million square feet. And truly, even though Mall is in our name, we are an entertainment destination. We've been all about experience from day one. We do have 520 retailers, um, but we also have a great mix of attractions, entertainment. We have two connected hotels. And so really, we are at the intersection of retail, entertainment, and hospitality. So it's been a fantastic journey. I have been with the company almost 23 years already. I'm the executive vice president of business development and marketing and have absolutely loved the journey, even through the challenges that we've all faced, not only in the industry, but what we're facing right now. And just looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks for joining us. Um, tell us a little bit about your role. Uh, you know, what does business development and marketing uh, mean at the Mall of America? What do you kind of focus your time on? I'm primarily focused on the customer experience. Uh, my team is focused on marketing, advertising, branding, communications, community relations, which is a really important factor for marketing, um, especially as we look forward, as well as sponsorship and group sales, tourism, events, and the list goes on. But really the, the consumer-facing aspects and really the elements of our brand that bring our brand to life. You know, It's more than just a logo. We have a personality and it's important for us as the house of all the brands that live with us, that we manage those expectations for our guests and making sure that they have a great experience when they're here um, and also be able to follow up and continue the relationship beyond their visit with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So of course we, we understand experiences. We, that's, that's what we focus on creating for our brick and mortar operators as well. But I wanted to see just from you, you know, being at mall of America and really being the mall that everyone kind of follows and the entertainment, you know, journey that everyone follows when they want, want to think about how they can create a great experience in a mall environment. What what do you think are some of the quote-unquote experiences that you've, you know, over the years been really excited about rolling out and that have really caught on with your, with your guests? I think from day one, um, we always wanted to be that place where something unexpected could happen. We wanted families to come and enjoy, but know that, you know, they could run into celebrities. They could stumble across amazing events. They could um, experience brands that they've never seen before. And we've been able to hold that up for, like I said, 28 years. Um, having 100 events a year, we've kind of become the Hollywood of the Midwest. We've welcomed a lot of celebrities over the, you know, from authors and musicians to internet sensations. And those trends have changed over the years, but it's been a lot of fun to be able to put smiles on people's faces. And I really think that that is the key to why so many of us have been here for so long is the fact that what we create, we get to see and deliver every day. We get to see that emotional reaction on our guest faces and what we're able to create. And it's extremely rewarding. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Uh, so it's no secret we're in the middle of a, of a pandemic, and uh, you know, in-store experiences are a little bit tougher now than they they have been kind of in the past. What technologies do you think are going to you know help or you know, surge during this time, especially for for mall operators too, for mall operators, but also for you know for brick and mortar locations within those malls to uh, to create. Retail was definitely one of the first industries to be impacted by COVID-19 and especially the shutdowns and is one of the industries that is the slowest to come back because of consumer confidence being challenging and everybody being on a different element of the spectrum. And we recognize that. And we also recognize that shopping behaviors have drastically changed. We've all been forced to shop differently in the months that we've been shut down and now reopening, trying to navigate these waters. And it is a very challenging time, but we also are embracing those changes and understanding that we have to accelerate what we had planned for the next two to five years, knowing that that needs to happen now. Obviously, a lot of us have been doing a lot more shopping online, recognizing the convenience, and pretty much that was the only source that we had to be able to get the goods and services that we needed during that time of shutdown knowing that curbside pickup has been something that a lot of brands have figured out. And at the very beginning, a lot of duct tape to figure out how they were going to get up and running. But now having a few months under their belt, a lot of brands, whether that's restaurants or retail, figuring out and polishing the experience more and really looking at how is that going to become part of the service that's needed in the long run. So I definitely think you know the buying online pickup and store, even the um, reserving online picking up store is definitely something that has accelerated very quickly for a lot of brands. I also think one of the key components for in-store is contactless, um, whether that's payment or experience. Nobody wants to touch anything anymore that others are interacting with. And so that contactless payment, whether it be mobile payment, which a lot of people are already very familiar with, but maybe just were reluctant to jump on board because it was still really easy to just do the chip and pin. But I think you're seeing a lot more with mobile payment and understanding that there's a lot of services and I guess integrated components that you have with other apps and managing more elements within your mobile device, but then also really seeing the acceleration of automated payments. When you look at Amazon Go, I think that that's really going to take off with more retailers as they explore contactless opportunities for their retail environments. Do you as kind of the mall operator, do you guys play a part in, you know, helping kind of roll out, you know, I guess all-inclusive solutions without the mall, or is it really kind of a on a merchant by merchant basis, they they kind of roll out their own their own initiatives really high level. That is the biggest challenge as a property owner and manager is the fact that we have a lot of grand ideas and we have a lot of retailers that are on board, but we also have you know hundreds of retailers that are not quite ready yet. And when we bring ideas to the table, we need to have a critical mass follow suit so we can help market that and bring it to the consumers. So it is a challenge because when you have technology opportunities, you really have to look at how you can work with the retailers to be able to bring that to consumers and have it more integrated throughout the property. And what we run across is inventory control and management makes it really hard for us to unify a lot of those efforts. And also the fact of everybody having a different POS system um, makes it very challenging for us to integrate any of those technologies. But I think a key element with regards to technology in general is as a brand and as a company, we've always looked at what the the problem is and finding solutions and then finding the technology to support that. A lot of times brands get the cart before the horse and they look at, oh, there's cool technologies, let's figure out how we can use this. Well, then you're doing it backwards. Um, So we always make sure that we're focused on what we need to achieve, how we can improve the experience, and then 
how do we amplify that or how do we improve that and provide more convenience through technology? Yeah, we're actually talking to a lot of operators recently where you know they're taking uh, although you know it sucks to be in the in the pandemic scenario for all of us but they're taking advantage of using the data that they're getting from you know people kind of shopping online shopping through and, and even figuring out hey do i have you know different age groups or you know different you know, segments that they can actually quantify and build campaigns around to actually know their customer more and then be able to roll out experiences based on that customer yeah, and I actually, if I can add to that, I think that's an extremely important point for us as a property. That's one area that we can work on really well with our um, our tenants is the data capture and the predictive analytics that we can create together and become smarter as a property and how we can deliver a better experience, how we can be more efficient, how we can be, you know, have more cost savings overall. But I would say in the last three years, we've done a much better job of taking the data that we've been collecting and putting resources towards really understanding what does that mean and how can that help us? I mean, having 28 years of data is extremely valuable and to be able to look at predictive analytics and help our tenants understand traffic patterns and what we can predict and what we can do for, from a sales perspective. And especially from a staffing scenario, we've saved a ton of money. Um, we own and operate Nickelodeon Universe, which is the anchor entertainment right in the middle of our property. We've been able to really save on labor sources without impeding on the guest experience but making sure that we're just smart knowing with weather patterns and what we've seen from um, seasonal changes. And we've been able to share that with our tenants. And then in turn, they're providing information to us and really a collective knowledge set that has really helped us move forward. Granted, now post-COVID, all that historical data is yet to be seen how we're gonna be able to use that to move forward. So we're starting over and doing the best that we can with the new analytics and the new criteria that's in place, but very important from a property perspective. How do you kind of approach the generational marketing to improve the mall experience? I mean, I know sharing the data back and and kind of talking to your tenants and getting some of the data back from them, but are there any any kind of initiatives that you set for, you know, really kind of doing that generational marketing type campaign? One thing we've recognized is one size does not fit all. I mean, we definitely have something for everyone within our property and we take a lot of pride in that. But we also have to recognize that there's a lot of differences with our customer set. Um, not only the fact that we have a great split between locals and tourists, 60% of our traffic historically has been from our local shopper base. But now with tourism drastically changing, we've had to double down on that local customer. But also recognizing over the years, we've had a lot less focus on demographics within those generational sets, but really focus on more lifestyle preferences and seeing that there's a lot of crossover with the generations if we focus on that area and understanding what's needed from a retail perspective and entertainment and even post-COVID, just this consumer confidence spectrum and understanding you know, within the generations, there's different confidence levels that we can accommodate and we need to recognize that it's extremely important. But we do a really good job as a brand listening to our customer and really reacting to that and helping solve problems wherever we possibly can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I know this is, uh, you know, I think uh, Mall America was closed for about six weeks, if, I, if I'm correct there. And, you know, coming back to, to things and getting things kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say normal, but getting getting people back in the flow of coming into the mall. What have you seen so far? Like what has been kind of the early signs of people being comfortable shopping back in? And, and what are the things that the, the Mall America has done to make them more comfortable? We actually were closed for three months. Um, oh, three months. Wow. So longer three than Three months. Thought. Yeah. Okay. And we just opened up Nickelodeon Universe and that was closed five months. And, you know, just rolling with the changes and understand that every single day something new pops up and it's it's really hard to navigate with all the unknowns and every business is facing that. Um, but 
as soon as we closed, the first thing we thought about is how are we going to reopen and what do we need to do to prepare for it? And safety is the number one priority. And all brands are recognizing that because consumers want to feel comfortable going back into the public facing environments. And so safety with being that on the forefront, we were quick to make sure that our property, which we feel already was um, top notch in the industry with regards to safety, it's it was so much part of our process and reopening and making sure we had graphics in place for social distancing and for navigation, but also the plexiglass and making sure people were wearing masks and making sure the entire property. I and mean, we had we had three months to thoroughly clean again um, every corner of the property to make sure that our guests felt comfortable. And we also learned from essential retail and watching what they were putting in place and how consumers were reacting and seeing what was going to be the best way for us to reopen and also recognizing we all need to be flexible and understand that we're going to have to change. And as we reopen and as we see how customers are going to react to our properties, we can put more protocols in place. But we wanted to make sure we exceeded the expectations of what the state put in play and play for all of us with our health and safety guidelines, but making sure that we went over beyond that. And even when you look at Nickelodeon Universe, um, it was important for us to continue to have those sanitary components in place and the social distancing. But we also, we actually lowered the age gate for our guests. It has guests that are three and over have to wear face masks. We know we have a lot of little friends that love to scream and color on the rides. And we wanted to make sure that we have everybody safe. And we actually work with a local paint spraying company, Graco, and they converted their paint sprayers into sanitized sprayers. We actually use that to spray the rides down between every ride cycle. We use that for our strollers and our wheelchairs to make sure that we have those extra precautions in place. Yeah, we're going to continue to modify and keep it clean. But your question about what we're seeing with people coming back, the people that are here, we're about 50% of what we would typically see this time of year from a traffic perspective. And people that are here are very respectful. They want to be here. They're ready. They're comfortable. We've received a lot of positive feedback. But we also recognize there's a lot of our fans that want to be here and they talk with us on social media, but they're just not quite ready. And we rolled out curbside pickup with a lot of our tenants right now, but also recognize we have a large building and we need to make sure that it's as easy to access as possible. And we have some um, plans in play with technology partners to just enhance and complement what we have already rolled out. Absolutely. You know, one of the trends that's happening here uh, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area is we're seeing, you know, and I know it's still early, but some of the malls that we've been talking to here have started to change their shift in tenants in the sense of what they're actually seeing is they're seeing Online only operators want, you know, physical space to be able to connect with their customer as as soon as people are, again, you know, really comfortable coming back into the mall. So what they envision is, you know, smaller footprint stores, more of them uh, in the mall environment. Is that something that you're thinking about or you think that you guys are, you know, because you're the Mall of America, yeah, it's, it's going to look a little bit different. It's going to feel a little bit different. Or are you going to see that trend, do you think, uh, come to play there as well? Fortunately, we have about 90% of our retailers back open already, a few that we're still working with. But what's great is we're seeing strength in online. And we actually saw that before COVID hit is that it was a whole new sector of brands that were coming to brick and mortar. Everything from we have Morphe, Indochino, Untuck It, Peloton, um, even an Amazon four star. And when you see the giant of online shopping have a brick and mortar space like Amazon, there's something to be said there. And those retailers that went into this strong and that continue to innovate and be bold and take risks, they're going to continue to be strong. 
those that were wavering and really trying to find their way are going to struggle through this effort. But with having that balanced and understanding that an online presence and a physical presence merge together and complementing one another and understanding that the brick and mortar space needs to be different. You have to deliver an experience that is completely different than online, yet complement it and making sure that you create that brand ambassador experience that you just has such talk value that people want to check it out, to be in there in the physical environment themselves. And I, I think that the trend that we were seeing with a lot of those online brands pre-COVID will just continue to grow and strengthen. Um, and a lot of people love to be here because we have great exposure to millions of guests. We um, historically had 40 million guests a year that came here. And so those online retailers recognized and valued the exposure that they had within our space. So it wasn't necessarily the measurement of sales per square foot for all of these brands as it had been typically, but it's that billboard, that advertising and brand exposure that they could get within our property that has changed the dynamic of what value being in a space looks like and what success may be for brick and mortar. Again, I think the, the positive that comes out of the, the pandemic is being able to sell, you know, more online and be able to really segment your customer, know who your customer is, like make, makes you smarter merchandising in store and, you know, the inventory that you're bringing in. So it relatively makes it a more profitable experience if you're able to use that data to, to make changes, right, in, in what you're serving. Absolutely. So Jill, you know, you've been, you know, you've been at Mall America for 23 years. You've seen many shopping behavior changes over the years. What shopper trends would you, you know, highlight the most? important, you know, incurring, you know, both marketing wise, but also over the last couple of years, as you've seen, maybe kind of trends change in consumer behavior. Absolutely. It's been an awesome journey here. I actually started as an intern and worked my way through the ranks. So it's been an, an awesome experience. I have the most amazing team that anybody could ask for and just being very creative and being nimble and really adjusting with the times. I would say the one element that is most important is really listening to guests. Shoppers are smarter than they've ever been, and they have the tools in their hand um, to be able to research and really understand what they're looking for. And it's really understanding that behavior is what has allowed us to excel. And about eight years ago, we launched an enhanced service portal, which is a communication hub, which really allowed us to manage those micro moments with our customers to really help them in the moment of need, whether that was before they arrived here and understanding how to get here or what they were going to do when they arrived to the actual journey when they were on property and getting recommendations or getting help with reservations at restaurants. And then after they left for us to be able to provide, get that feedback and understand how their journey was and how we could make it better, or how we could help celebrate with them. So it was really important for us to create that hub. So we had a one touch point with all of our customers, whether it was through social media or email or text messaging. And again, to help us amplify our personality beyond just our brand and our logo. And that connection and relationship we're able to build with guests was extremely monumental for a shopping center and has been the core spoke for us to be able to build from. And everything that we do ties back into that hub, which is really important so you don't have all these different segments of technology or customer experience elements. Everything comes back to that central point. So now that becomes a recommended engine for us to work with so that we can really um, help customers funnel options relative to their visit that they have with us and also allows us to integrate other technologies like chatbots. So even though it's as operated by our team, we also have the chatbot for after hours or for commonly asked questions and to really help us expand that service that we can provide to our guests. And 
it has been um, critical to then roll out our digital directories that tie back to that communication hub so our guests can navigate the property and then transfer it onto their mobile device, especially with COVID. We don't want a lot of those touch points throughout the property, so we want to make sure that we transfer that onto personal devices to make it um, as touchless as possible. But that's really, really where we're amping up our efforts. Got it, got it, got it. And and as you're, you know, amping up reference, of course, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of um, brick and mortar operators, you know, I think you said this kind of in the beginning of what we were talking about, but that are, there's two sets of operators. There's there's a set of operator that's, that's looking at data, looking at their customer, figuring out, you know, how they can actually adapt both their in-store environments, you know, online environments to connect more with their customers. And then there's, you know, operators that are kind of in that middle ground where they don't know what to do. So, you know, they think adopting technologies is going to solve the problem. What guidance do you give to operators to be able to look at their their business you know, correctly and adopt the right technologies that they need to be able to connect with their customers? I think the key is to really understand as a brand where you want to go, develop your roadmap and really understand what your objectives are and how you're differentiating yourself in the marketplace, making sure that you um, are true to your brand and don't just roll things out because someone else is. I think that that's a challenge that some brands have as they just jump onto the shiny object syndrome because everybody else is doing it. So it must be best for me too. Um, really understand your customer and understand their pain points. And like listening to your customer is absolutely key and understand those pain points and addressing them and fixing them. Because as soon as you start making change, your customers are going to really watch that and have more loyalty because they know that you're listening. We've done that with a several different projects and one being our parking element. We heard, you know, lots of complaints about, you know, on the weekends, it was hard to find a parking spot. We love that because that means that we're super busy, but we also recognize we don't want customers to turn away because they can't find a parking space. We worked with a company called Park Assist, which put light indicators within our parking ramps and allowed it just the easy visibility of if it's green, it's open. If it's red, it's not. And even before they got into our parking ramps, would see reader boards that would show which levels had parking available. And it was a game changer for us. I mean, on Black Friday, the last few years, we have not had a backlog of cars because it's just a natural inflow of the ingress and egress of the property, which has been fantastic. But we listened to our customers. We knew that was a major pain point and we found a solution to that, that challenge. And so I think that's really, really important. And it's just aligning with your customers, understanding who your ambassadors are, listening to them, following suit, just being true to your brand. Absolutely. You said something interesting. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are kind of talking about this in retail right now is what is what does Black Friday look like this year? Do you have any any hunch uh, of what you think uh, it's going to look like this year? Are we back to normal pretty much or, is, or are things going to look different? Um, I would say we'd be anything but normal. <laughs> <laughs> the holiday season is definitely a challenge. We are deep in conversation with regards to holiday and not only Black Friday, but you look at a big conversation we've been having is about Santa. I mean, that's a magical time for families to be able to celebrate during the holidays and a tradition that has lasted for so many years. And just Santa alone doesn't necessarily want to come and be in that space with all of the families and have all that those touch points. But we know and we are determined as an organization that we will find magical moments and continue with traditions and we're going to make new traditions as well. You know, this is forcing us all to look at things differently. And it's changing retail cycles with regards to seasons and how we're all looking at, you know, back to school has even expanded differently this year because there were so many unknowns. And that's, you know, typically a four to six week season is going to turn into all the way stretch maybe till October. And then the holiday season is going to start earlier. So just the time frames of our seasons are changing. But 
the holidays are going to be different this year, but we are, we're still going to deliver. Um, we want to make sure that people can still have that sense of normalcy and not to give up traditions that make us all happy and that we look forward to. So we want to make sure that we still put smiles on people's faces in a very safe environment. And I know, you know, safety is key, of course, right now in communication with customers. Do you feel like the changes that are being made right now, uh, especially for the pandemic and, and creating that safe environment post COVID, like right after where everyone feels comfortable we start to get back into, I guess, a level of normalcy. Do you see any of these initiatives that you've adopted now continuing, or do you feel like we're going to go back to what things were before? I don't think we're ever going to go back to where we were. I think that many of these elements are going to change the way that we shop and how we interact with others, how we engage with brands. I think it'll change. I think it's just going to make us all stronger. Do I hope that some of these protocols and things loosen up? Absolutely. But I think it, this has all challenged us individually and as organizations to become stronger, to accelerate ideas, be more creative. And also one thing that I noticed through this challenging time is the collaboration with other partners that typically would be competitors. We all dropped our walls and worked together to determine how we were going to reopen as an industry and not just locally, but nationally, and not only retailers, but also entertainment, and just really understanding as an industry, how are we going to change and how are we going to work smarter together? And that's just going to be make us all better across the board as we come out of this, because it's going to be t- a significant amount of time yet until things find that next normal of what we're looking at in the future. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you see that across the board that, you know, a lot of, you know, in a lot of different industries, competitors are starting to work together. Even uh, I, I go on my you know daily runs and people are even nicer. I think people have, have had time to reflect. And now it's it's a matter of how do we get, we're in this together. How do we get out of this together? And how do we go to a, a level set of, you know, I guess, quote unquote life. One of the things that was brought up is, you know, having, you know, positive environmental impact. And I know Mall of America also has a green initiative. Can you tell our listeners about that and what that's all about? We do. And we always laugh. We're like, well, we were green before green was cool. When we first opened out of the gate, it was really important from just the architectural design of our property to be as green as possible. And we have miles and miles of skylight, which allows us to have a lot of solar energy. Um, we have 30,000 live plants and trees within the property, which allows us to have a lot of natural purifiers. As well as with those trees, we actually release ladybugs in our theme park every year, multiple times as a natural pesticide for those plants. And we always laugh because people think we have ladybugs flying all around the mall, but it, they, they stay towards their food source. So they stay inside the theme park. Another fun fact is, you know, being in Minnesota, we obviously are have a cold environment during the winter months um, and we don't have any central heating inside Mall of America. Um, it is heated by the entry vestibules and by the individual retailers, as well as all the body heat that's in the malls always fun. All of our ramp lighting is LED. We changed that out years ago to have savings there as far as from environment. And we have an amazing recycling program. One thing that we are still working on that we hear as a pain point from our guests is that we don't have recycling containers in the mall because we do all of it behind the scenes in our waste and recycling center. And even all the food waste from our food tenants, um, we donate to hog farmers in the local area. Um, So there's the list goes on and on, but we're very proud of our green initiative. And it's, you know, now looking at other partners that we can bring on board and working with our tenants to amplify that message and that story that we can tell. Well, thank you for for that wealth of information here. Um, you know, any outside of the Mall of America, any any fun places you would recommend if someone is visiting after we, we get back to travel, uh, visiting, uh, you know, Minnesota? 
Oh my goodness, Minnesota is a gem that is like a hidden treasure in the United States. You know, we are truly in the center of the U.S., which we're so we're about two and a half, three hours from everywhere. So actually, we have a lot of a lot of fly traffic that comes through Minnesota for connecting flights because we have an international airport literally across the street from Mall of America, which we love. Um, but we have more pro sports teams than most states do. Um, so we have a lot of sports fans that come to Minnesota. We have beautiful outdoors with 10,000 lakes. This is the season where everybody's up north enjoying time at cabins and enjoying lake time. But we also just have an amazing arts, culture, and, and food scene here. So it is truly a wonderful place. If you have not visited Minnesota, come visit us. Be sure to stop at MOA, but there's so many more things to enjoy while you're here. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually grew up in Nebraska, so not, not too far, and uh, I have not, so I have to come visit for sure. So, great, Jill. Thank you again for your time, and thanks for uh, you know giving, giving our listeners a wealth of information. I appreciate it, and uh, you know, thanks again. Thank you so much. It was a great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.